Good morning, church family. Welcome to worship today. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Let's stand and worship together and sing to the name of the Lord. At your name, the mountains sing and crumble. At your name, the oceans roar and tumble. At your name, angels will bow.
You may be seated. We're so glad that you are here today. Welcome to worship. I'm not sure if you can see us or not, but today is VBS. Amen? We start tonight at 6 o'clock, and I don't know if you can tell what our theme is, but it's concrete and cranes. We've been working in here all night building this set. Amen? Do you believe that? That's terrific. It's going to be a great day of worship, a great night of worship, and just so thankful for your praying for us and for contributing financially so that we can do things like this, and it's going to be a great night of worship. If you are visiting with us today, we consider you our guest, and we're delighted that you are here. Do as Thomas said in that video and fill out that online connection card. And at the close of our service, guests, first-time visitors, would you meet our pastor and his wife out in the foyer so that we might give you a gift? It is a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship so that we can just shake your hand and hug your neck and uh, just get to know you a little bit better. It is a great day of worship. The Lord has begun good things, and we're delighted that He is able today. We worship Him. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand, and let's worship together, because our God is able. Let's sing together. Great is His faithfulness today. God is able. He will never. God is with us, he will go before, he will never leave us, he will never leave us, God is for us, he has open arms, he will never fail us, he will never fail us, lift it up, he defeated the grave. Amen. 
Worship Him.
grateful today that you are a God who is faithful and strong. Father, thank you for the fact that you have begun a good work in us. And as we focus on that passage of Scripture, Philippians 1.6 this week, would you give us ears to hear today a receptive heart and to know the joy, strength, satisfaction, and affirmation of loving you and building our lives on you. Father, we worship you today. We worship you with motion. We worship you with emotion. We worship you with our song, our voice, our instruments today. Inhabit our praise today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Found me. I 
Great job, ladies. Well, VBS is here. And as we've been saying, it'll be uh, different, but it'll still be great. Uh, some people were asking this morning, what, what's it like? What's the difference? Well, we've moved from five nights of three hours to three nights of one hour. But there's a lot of creativity involved in that, whereas Thomas shared in the announcements, you can go online and participate even. There's also a take-home uh, part to Bible school so that everything can be uh, enjoyed, uh, even though it can't all be enjoyed here. And so Kimberly Aguilar and her team are to be commended for doing a great job to adjust Vacation Bible School, such an important ministry for this year of all I can say is craziness. It is just a crazy year. Uh, but we have, we have made adjustments, and um, they even had to make adjustments as we moved the date for Bible school. We moved it to start right after a wedding was taking place in here last night. Usually it takes, we have the whole week to get the set ready. Uh, so a team came in last night when that wedding was done and put up all of this stuff. And so let's give that team a hand for being here late last night to get that up for today. The theme, the theme verse for VBS 2020 Concrete and Cranes is Philippians 1.6, which is taken from the Christian Standard Bible in uh, the Lifeway curriculum. And so let's read it together. This is the one that the kids will be memorizing this week. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, either your mask were muffling you or you didn't say that together. So let's say this out loud together because we're going to all memorize this okay i am sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of christ jesus this this flip yeah thank you <laughs> philippians 1 6 don't forget the address <laughs> thank you david that's right this verse may be among the most known Bible verses uh, in Scripture. It's variously paraphrased, things like God will finish what he started or God will see you through. And this verse has given a lot of encouragement and hope to people throughout the generations. And what's so neat is over the next three nights, we're going to be passing on this Scripture to another generation. And they're going to hide this word in their hearts and they're going to be able to live by this word in the years to come. Um, I'd like for us to mine the riches of this verse this morning with a message entitled, God finishes what he started. You know, finishing what you start gives you a great sense of accomplishment. As most of you know, I recently finished my second book, and this book is entitled Growing Stronger Lessons from the Fixed Up, Messed Up Church of 1 Corinthians. And I've been working on this book off and on, mostly off, for about four years, I preached the sermon series on this in 2014, started moving it to a book in 16, and then have finally finished that. When I finally submitted the manuscript to the publisher, man, that felt great. It was done. But then when I saw that it had posted as a Kindle book and as a paperback book on Amazon, I was even more excited. But then this week, when the real... The real paperback, touchable version came. I really thought, it is finished. It's done. And we'll have copies available, hopefully, by next week for you all. But only then did I really feel like that book was finished. It's easy to start something. We all have started plenty of things and never finished them. Unless you're just 
extremely OCD. We all have those kind of things. They're, they're on the hard drives of our computers. They're tucked away in the tops of our closets. They're over in the corner of our garage. All of these projects that we started, but we never quite finished. Some of you may even have projects from your parents or grandparents that you're storing that they never finished, but you're thinking maybe one day you'll have a chance to finish those. The fact of the matter is, we'll all leave this earth with some things that we just never finished. Our life will be finished, but those projects will not be. But this passage tells us something encouraging, and that's this. God always finishes what he starts, especially what he starts in those who have surrendered their lives to his lordship. Good news like that should give us great joy and 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 that's fitting because Paul's letter to the Philippians is often called the letter of joy but yet that's even kind of interesting because Paul wrote this letter while he was under house arrest in Rome how many of you think you could write something joyful while in prison but Paul did And this book is filled with all kinds of joy. As he opens this letter, Paul uh, gives special praise to the Philippian church. Now, they weren't a perfect church, but they weren't messed up like the city of Corinth was in their church. But despite obstacles, the, the Philippian church was achieving amazing things for Jesus Christ. As a missionary church, they were being faithful in fulfilling their obligations to advance the gospel beyond the city of Philippi. And because of their faithful partnership, Paul says in verses 3 and 4 that he prayed for them often, he prayed for them with great joy, and then he prayed with great confidence. In our focal verse, Paul says, I am sure of this. Paul had absolute confidence in God. He didn't have an inkling of doubt that God was going to do what he said he was going to do, that God was going to finish what he started. Now, Paul probably would have had such confidence anyway because Paul walked very closely with God. But But what added to Paul's confidence was the Philippians' way that they were living for God. There's something about seeing God's work in a faithful person or in a faithful church that increases your own faith. As you see God working in someone and that person is faithful and they're growing in their faith and they're being used by God or when you see God working in a church and they're growing in God and they're doing great things for God, it bolsters your own faith because you as a believer want to pray harder and serve God more because you don't don't want to miss out on what they're getting and you want that for your life as well. And so Paul may have had such thoughts about that, being encouraged by the Philippians' faith, But the primary thought he had as he looked at the Philippian church was, God is up to something great here. God is doing an amazing work in this church. The the Philippians' eager partnership in Paul's ministry was a sure sign of the work of grace that God was accomplishing right there in their midst. While the church wasn't perfect, they were progressing And the work of God in them and among them was apparent. So in this one statement that our kids are going to memorize this week, Paul reflects upon the commencement, the continuation, and ultimately the completion of God's work in them. 
And I want to look at those three sections of God's work in us today. The first is the commencement of God's work. Paul says, being confident of this, or I am confident in this, he who started a good work in you. Paul remembered just how the work in the Philippian church had started. Over a decade before, God had begun a good work in them during Paul's second missionary journey. Paul remembered the early converts who had formed the nucleus of that new church. He remembered Lydia, the dealer in purple cloth that he had met by the river. And he and, and, and Silas had told Lydia about Jesus and, and she put her trust in Jesus as Savior. Paul also remembered how on that same very day, God began working in a, a fortune-telling slave girl when the evil, evil spirit was cast out of her. Now, that move by Paul and Silas and that work of God resulted in Paul and Silas being thrown in prison. But that move caused the prison bars to be shaken and the doors to be opened and the jailer and his whole household to come to faith in Christ. Paul remembered that beginning work in Philippi and each of those transformed lives came to Paul's mind as he recalled the beginnings of the first church in Philippi. And of course, since those earliest days, many other people had come to faith in Christ. Paul didn't know many of those people because he had been gone. But it was a wonderful testimony of what the Philippian Christians had done in their own witness. As they hadn't just kept the faith for themselves, but they had shared it in their city. And more and more people had come to faith. God had certainly begun a wonderful work a decade earlier. The word that's translated started or began is used only twice in the New Testament. And both of those times it is used to refer to salvation. It reminds us that there is a moment of salvation when we repent of our sins and we receive the gift of salvation from God. In that moment, God begins his work in a believer's life so therefore that's why we say there's a moment when we are saved or there's a moment when you are born again every true believer has a moment of salvation when God's work began in them that work began in me in 1987 it started at a kid's summer camp and God began stirring my heart and telling me that I needed salvation now I was a good kid I was a church kid I was at church more than most of my friends but I was still a lost sinner doomed for a devil's hell without Jesus Christ as my Savior. Conviction weighed heavy on me beginning at that camp and it continued through the summer until a revival service in September at my home church. And at that service, I surrendered to the Spirit's urgings and yielded my life to Jesus and was saved and born again. On that night, I opened my life to God's work and that is when he began a good work in me. I hope you have a story like that to tell. You may not remember the exact date. I wouldn't remember the exact year even if it hadn't been for my dad not writing that down in his Bible. But you should remember the moment you were saved. You should remember where it was, what was going on, how it was happening, whether it was a revival or vacation Bible school or a camp or, a, or in your living room or on a Sunday morning or in a Sunday school class. There should be some kind of memory of salvation because there is always a moment of repentance and surrender. You don't get saved by osmosis or even immersion. 
in the church. If that was the case, I'd have been saved little bitty because I was in church all the time. You don't get saved by that. You don't catch salvation like a virus. You don't just become saved because you're at church. There is a moment when God works in your life and you respond to that working in your life. That is called justification. It's the moment of justification, the moment when we are justified before God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When his blood is applied to our life and our sins are washed white as snow. An easy way to remember what happens in justification is to say, I am made just as if I'd never sinned. That's what happens in that moment. And as wonderful though as the moment of salvation is, that's not it. That date in September of 1987 for me was just the beginning. It wasn't the end. If that day 33 years ago was it, then there's a really big question as to really that was really a day of salvation. In fact, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. If nothing else happened from September 1987 to July of 2020, something's wrong. And if God's work in you stopped sometime way back when, you weren't really saved. You may have had a momentary experience, but it wasn't a life-changing experience. Salvation does involve a moment of salvation when we are justified. But it continues in your life through the process of salvation called sanctification. Or to remember what that's all about, sanctification. Because during that process, you become sanctified. You become more and more like Jesus. You come to reflect Jesus. You see, a saint is not just somebody that's recognized by the Catholic Church because of some certain qualifications as a saint. Every single follower of Jesus Christ is a saint. Now, I don't recommend you going up to somebody and saying, Hey, I'm Saint Stuart. Nice to meet you. They'll think you're crazy. But you are. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a saint in Christ. And every single day, you're becoming more and more like Christ. Paul saw the process of sanctification happening in the lives of the Philippians. And so not only did he see that there was a moment of the commencement of God's work in justification, but there was also the continuation of God's work in sanctification. He says, I, I know that God, the same one who began a good work in you, will carry it on. We know from personal experience that we do not become perfect the moment we are saved. At least I hope you would admit that. We don't become perfect the moment we're saved. That would be great if we did. Though we were saved from sins, we all continue to struggle with sin, don't we? It's still there. There's ever the battle to move out of the darkness and into the light. But as we walk with Christ, we make progress in life. And as we grow in our relationship with Christ and his sanctifying work continues in us, we are continually transformed to be more and more like him. No matter how many twists and turns life takes, no matter how many times you fail, no matter how many spiritual defeats overtake you, because of God's continuing work in you, you can get back up. You can be confident that God wastes nothing. Everything that happens to you that comes into your life or comes against your life will be used for God, by God, for your good. Romans 8, 28. He'll take 
the, the heartaches, the losses, and the disappointments of life and help you to trust him more and use what you've been through to bless somebody else. He'll take the victories and the triumphs of life and he'll show you how he has brought every single one of them about. All of that conforms you to the image of Christ and is the continuation of God's good work through you through the process of sanctification. Did you learn a little song as a child? This little song that says, He's still working on me to make me what I want to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Now that little song is more than a cute ditty about God's patience with us. It's also a reminder that God cares for you and me far more than he cared for the inanimate parts of creation. And here's what it says. You see, he didn't just speak you into existence. As amazing as creation is, God just said, let there be light, and whoop, there it is. It was just speak a word, and whoop, there it is. Over and over and over, just the word, 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 word. But what happened when it came to Adam? God crafted him. When it came to Eve, he crafted them. What does the psalmist say? He knit us together in our mother's womb. God takes careful planning and careful attention to working in our lives. And he, he created the universe with just single words in one week. But he crafts you every day through your life just as clay submits to the hands of the potter we submit to the hands of God and he crafts us but second God's continuing work in you reminds you that you didn't that, that he didn't just save you to save you he didn't you're not a notch in his belt you're not a plaque on his wall yep saved that one back in 1987 not a trophy that's mounted you are his precious child Adopted into his family. And as any good father, your heavenly father wants to help you to grow to be everything you should be. God saved you for a purpose. And so that you can fulfill that purpose. He begins working on you at the moment of salvation. And he continues working on you throughout your life. God is still working on you to make you what he wants you to be. He spoke creation into being in six days with a few words, but he is still working on you and me. He's been working on me for 33 years since I came to faith in him. And he'll continue to work on me till the day I die, hopefully five decades from now. He got a lot of work left. He's been working on you for some of you for a shorter period of time. He's been working on some of you for a much longer period of time. But anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ is still being worked on. He's still tweaking us. We don't always look at this verse in this light, do we? I mean, we emphasize the fact that this verse speaks of the security of the believer in salvation, that what God started, he's going to see through to fruition. And that is absolutely there for sure. That's true. Some denominations teach that you can lose your salvation. That is foreign to the Bible. That's not the case. 
God never abandons his plan. God never begins something that he does not finish. That's why we say once you are saved, you are always saved. However, this verse is not only about the security of the believer. It is also about the continuing purpose of God in that believer's life. We don't get our fire insurance out of hell and a junior saint badge for our lapel and then live however we want. No, if you're genuinely saved, every day of your life, God is working on you. He's refining on you. He's removing the impurities until ultimately he can see his face reflected back at him from your life. I think a lot of Christians miss out on all that could come to them through sanctification. For some reason, too many of us are content with the moment of salvation and neglect the lifetime of transformation that follows that. Think about that. You're witnessing to somebody, and what do they say? Oh, yeah, I was baptized when I was six. So? What's he done for you lately? I'm glad. But if nothing has changed from here to here, something didn't happen here. Or at the very least, you haven't grown a lick. You've not submitted yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You've not allowed him to bring transformation to your, to your life. That's why we see people who claim to have been Christians for decades, but they're only a half step away from carnality. And you see their language, and you see their actions, and you see their attitudes, and you say, good night, that's not like Christ at all. That's because they've never allowed the transformation to take place. We should be transformed. We've got to submit ourselves to continuing work of Jesus Christ. Ref refining isn't always a pleasant process. But it yields amazing results. And that leads us to the final thought of Paul's little statement. The completion of God's work. He's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's a day coming when the timer will go off. Ding! And we'll be done. We will be complete. The day of Christ Jesus refers to the time when believers will be glorified and their salvation will be complete and made perfect. We've already talked about the beginning moment of salvation and justification, the continuing in sanctification. This is the end of salvation, which is glorification in heaven. We will be glorified just as Christ is glorified. God will say on that day, here is the finished Stuart Holloway. Here is the finished Lenny Westbrook. Here is the finished Nick Nixon. We're going to be finished. It's going to be done with the project. We'll no longer struggle with sin, for we'll be made perfect. God will no longer be working in us. We will be finished. It's interesting to note that the root of that word completion there, or perfection, however your translation has it, is the same root word that John uses to record Christ's last words on the cross, where Jesus says, it is finished. Same words, same root. It's perfected, it's completed, it has the same sense of the last page of a novel or the last frame of a film, the end. You see, when God starts something, he goes to the finish. He doesn't stop at mile 25 of a marathon. 
He doesn't leave the punch list items complete. He finishes the job. You don't have to worry. There's not a, a closet, an attic, or a garage in heaven with a bunch of partially finished product, projects in it. There's not anything hidden back like that. God always finishes what he starts because he is faithful, as we sang about today. This faithfulness of God is recounted throughout the Bible. God's word tells us that God's faithfulness is a faithfulness that will never be removed in Psalm 89 and 138. It is a life that will never end in John 3.16. It is a spring of water that will never cease to bubble up within the one who drinks of it in John 4. It is a gift that will never be lost in John 6. It is a handout of which the good shepherd's sheep will never be snatched. John 10. It is a chain that will never be broken in Romans 8. It is a love from which we shall never be separated in Romans 8. It is a calling that will never be revoked in Romans 11. It is a foundation that will never be destroyed in 2 Timothy 2. And it is an inheritance that will never fade out in 1 Peter 1. You see, God always finishes what he starts because he is now, perspective is an amazing thing. When you step back and, and look at the breadth of something, you start to see some trends. And as Paul stepped back and he, he looked at more than a decade of God's work in Philippi, he noticed something, that God had begun a good work in them, and he was continuing that work in them. And so it followed that he would finish that work in them. And so he told the Philippians, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Paul had a firm confidence in God, a firm confidence that God finishes what he starts. People lack perseverance. People start and stop. People run hot and cold, but God does not. God perseveres. God finishes. God commences his work. He continues his work. And he completes his work. I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. He's still working on all of us to make us what we need to be. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this word that will be repeated throughout the next three days in Vacation Bible School and, and through thousands of churches in America, maybe even around the world. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak this truth to our hearts. God, I pray this morning for those who are watching online or those who are in this room who have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. They've never had that moment of salvation. Or they can't remember a time when they gave their life. They've maybe just kind of always been in church. But they don't have that personal relationship with you. And so, God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. This would be their moment when they're justified and they begin that process of becoming more and more like you. Lord, do a work in their lives today. Give them the confidence to step forward or to fill out that decision card online and to make their decision known so that we can help them begin growing in their faith. God, we are so grateful that you want to work in us and that you take careful attention 
to make you make us just what you want us to be. And so, God, we yield ourselves to you today, praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. We invite you to come and make a, a public decision of whatever God's been speaking to your heart today. We're going to sing a song of invitation declaring our love to Jesus and our dedication to him, and I pray that you would give your life over to him. It may be that, that you are a believer, and you know there was a time when you were saved, but you say, you know what, Pastor? I haven't been growing. I want to dedicate my life anew to Christ today and allow him to do something new in me. I'd invite you to come, whatever the Lord has been speaking to your heart. As we stand and sing this song of invitation, be obedient to the Lord's calling on your life. Jesus, I love Thee, I know Thou art mine, for Thee all the follies of sin I resign, my gracious Redeemer, my Savior. God bless you this week. May he, be, may he remind you to be in prayer for Vacation Bible School tonight, tomorrow night, and Tuesday night. God's doing some wonderful things. We're looking forward to that. Do you have anything you need to share? Okay. Uh, we're going to have our closing word of prayer. Ms. Adrian Martin is going to go to the platform and lead us in that. Have a blessed week. Stay safe. We'll see you here next Sunday morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good and awesome and mighty, and we just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to worship in your house. Father, we ask your blessing on this week at VBS. We just ask that many will come to know you, that those of us that know you will grow closer to you, and Father, most of all, that we will share your love with other people. We know you are the only hope for this world. It's in your name we pray. Amen.